Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're at the Texas High School Coaches Association Coaching Clinic, and I'm sitting down with the head football coach at Klein Kane High School, which is north of Houston, James Clancy. And coach, it's great to be able to sit down with you here face-to-face and talk some ball. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And coach, congratulations on your honor, 40 under 40. I know that's a big thing here in Texas, so uh, you're doing some things right. (laughs) I appreciate it. I was... You know, very humbled to, to be recognized with such a good group of guys. And and uh, just like any head coach, you know, anything good that happens is because I'm surrounded with, with great people and, and fortunate enough to have some good players and, and a lot of tremendous support. We just sat down with Alan Hare, who is in his first year starting a program at Killeen Chaparral High School. You're in year five of a program that you started from scratch. So we got to see what it's like right now before the first <laughs> season. We get a perspective here of – what does it look like down the road? So tell us a little bit about that experience for you and in, in looking back at these past years to where you are now and the growth of the program. You know, there were there were times, you know, so I got I was blessed to get the job first week of January 2017. So, you know, what people don't realize is, you know, when you're trying to decide on, you know, personnel who I mean, I was an athletic department of one, you know, uh-huh. for, for you know, a couple of months and you know, there was a temporary building outside of central office where they had housed, you know, myself, our uh, campus principal, and uh, a couple of our uh, assistant principals and, and counselor. And we literally had to work and discuss and, and try to shape things. Um, and then, you know, you get into the, the challenge of staffing, you know, and, you know, some of the things that you do before you even start thinking about X's and O's and, and, and all that kind of stuff is, you know, what type of culture do you want to try to cultivate? And you got to get the right people to make sure that they come in with the like mindset to establish that culture, you know. And I think some of the most stressful things that you go through when you're opening a school and starting a program is the realization that you only get one chance to do it right. Obviously, we got a great community that's been, you know, unbelievably supportive uh, from us from day one. But it was a community that was going to have high expectations, you know. And so with those expectations, you know, we came in with a win now mindset that. We were never going to play the victim role. We were never going to feel sorry for ourselves. You know, we, you know, I told the coaches when I brought them into interviews, like I only know how to coach one way. I know how to coach at the varsity level. Those expectations that we're going to put on our kids because we don't want to give them a false sense of what you know 
what the success may or may not be, you know. And so we felt like having that mindset from the get-go was, was good, you know, for everyone because everybody understood how it was going to be consistently, you know, and that the, the wins and the success and all that stuff was going to come, but we just had to trust the process, you know. And, and I had used that phrase before and I had heard it before, but until you have to go in and you literally have to start on square one, day one, you know, equipment box <laughs> number one, uh, you know, you have a totally different perspective on what process is, you know. And so started with two grades. We added a grade, you know, each year for the next couple of years. Uh, had our first group of seniors uh, in the fall of 2019. You know, we're fortunate enough to, to get into the playoffs that year. And, you know, just thinking back on it, you know, it seems like it went fast now, but there were some days where it didn't go very fast, you yeah. know. And that's just kind of part of, you know, when you think about grinding it out, um, you know, that first group of seniors, you know, they came to us as sophomores, so all of them had gone to high school at a different place, you know. So when you talk about building culture, you're taking, you know, kids that had been, you know, at good places, you know, before as freshmen, but, you know, for whatever reason, their families decided that this was going to be the best course of action for them. And so then you had to, you know, win them over, and then you had a group of freshmen that hadn't been <laughs> to high school anywhere. And then so they were kind of a clean slate. So it was a really unique, you know, challenge, um, to try to, to bring all that together at once. That's when I just kind of go back to, you know, it's just so important when you get the right people around you to make sure that that vision and that process is, you know, reiterated throughout it. Um, you know, I think for me, the thing that that I look back on and what allowed us to be successful is we had, you know, we have a, a principal that understood, um, you know, the importance of school culture and how, you know, coaches and faculty play such an important job, such an important role of getting that school culture disseminated. I mean, it's easy to put stuff up on the wall and sit in a big meeting and say, hey, this is, you know, what we're about and this is what we're going to go do. But it's the people that you put in the trenches that are the ones that really get it into the kids and, and, and get it out. So, you know, we're, um, you know, it goes quick. You know, it's it, it's a lot of fun now, right. you know. Uh, and uh, it's neat because your expectations are your own, yes. you know. And you create all those things. Um, and, you know, obviously the, the world now, especially like in high school football, it's because of the internet and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you got preseason this and rankings this and whatever. And, and we've never really paid attention to a whole lot of that because we've always believed in if we set high expectations for ourselves, the rest of everything else is going to take care of it, you know. And so that's one thing I've really been proud of our kids and our coaches on. We've always, regardless of – what outside factors or influences may say we've always had high expectations for ourselves. I think what's unique about a new program too is everything you're looking back on right now is your tradition. Sure. Your guys are anchored to that. They started that. There's probably something that's very special to those guys about being part of it. And now, as you mentioned, you know, 2019, your first year with seniors, so you got guys who are playing in college and guys who are coming back and you know, for the first time, guys able to point at somebody and say, hey, you know, here's, here's a guy who did it here before and has moved on to something something else has taken his game to the next level. Our homecoming games actually have people to come home to now. You know, it's just, that, was, that, was, that was a challenge, you know, the first couple of years. Uh, we actually had to call them newcomings, you know. Uh, but it's, it's neat. Like, you know, now we're getting into the younger brothers, you know, playing for us and things like that. And, you know, the profession of coaching, no matter what level, in my opinion, is all about relationships, right? And so relationships that you have, you know, from head coach to your assistants, from you know, your coaches to your players, from player to player, but then, 
you know, and, and I don't want to sound cliche, but it's, you know, when you build a school and you open a school and you build a program and you talk about, you know, it's a 40-year deal, not a four-year deal. I mean, like, you really have gone through some stuff with people when you're starting something because, like, you know, there's always the seeds of doubt. There's always, you know, trying to climb uphill in, in sandals, you know. Um, and I think that's one of the things that our staff does a great job of is building those relationships with kids, um, building those relationships with our community members and our faculty. Um, and we believe it's what makes, you know, our place special. You know, are we perfect? No. But, you know, I think the thing that our, our kids would all say is their coaches care about them. And, and I think that for us to be able to get those kids to buy in, they had to trust us, you know, because it would have been real easy to come in and say, well, you know, we're not supposed to have success. We're, we're a young school, you know, we're going to take some time. And, and they really jumped in with both feet from the get-go and, and, and bought in. When you look back at the things you did, especially early on, whether that was offense, defense, the way you handled the, the weight room, you know, in, in building your program, was there anything from more of that strategic or tactical standpoint that you felt we're doing it this way and it's going to give us an advantage? Well, we're a, we're an up-tempo offense team. You know, we believe in, in, in doing everything at a high rate of speed. Um, we believed that that was – going to give us a sense of urgency in everything that we did, you know, and just because we're up-tempo team, you know, on offense didn't mean that we didn't have, you know, a fast-paced mentality, you know, in our other phases, you know, defense, special teams and things like that. But, you know, from the way that we checked roll, from the way that, like, you know, our kids jog down to athletic period every day. Like, we're always have a sense of urgency in everything that we do. Um, and we feel like when you have a sense of urgency with everything from how you check roll, from how you transition to the weight room, from how you transition to your meetings, if you have a sense of urgency, that's going to carry over into your performance. We believe in making sure that when it's football time, you know, whether it's athletic period or after school practice, uh, off-season training, that, you know, it needs to be noticeably different mindset than what you go about, you know, day to day, you know, and, and I think that um, our kids have done a, a nice job of understanding that, and they know when they cross that line into the hallway and they got to jog down to, to athletic period, it's, it's time to go get work done. You know, and I think that we did that from the very beginning. You know, even, you know, from when we just had two grades, you know, those really inherent things that we felt like these become the tradition. So, like, you know, when you – those first group became seniors, you know, the, the, that group of freshmen and sophomores and juniors that were coming behind them, they just, you know, they started jogging down because that's what we did, you know. Um, and, I, and I think those allowed us to have a foundation uh, to when our talent caught up to, uh, our talent and our experience caught up to our expectations, that's when we were, we were ready to go, go try and win. So now as that talent has caught up to the expectations, has there been anything in the approach that's evolved that maybe you're doing different now or you feel like has been the next step in this progression? For us, when we got that first big win and the kids felt the success and the light went off and they said, hey, we can, we can do this. We can play with anybody. We can, we can go. You know, that allowed us in terms of accountability to have that reinforcement. Like, you know, when you do things the right way, when you show up on time, um, when you participate, when you do well in class, when you treat people with respect, when you do all those things, you know, good things are going to happen. Because that's really what we've preached from day one is, you know, if you take care of the details, okay, and you're detailed oriented and your habits are aligned with your goals, you know, 
the success will take care of itself. Now, we play an extremely tough district with against great opponents. We play in Division One and 6A in Texas, which, you know, is an unbelievably hard bracket in Region 2. So, like, you know, we know that we have to be at our best if we want to have a chance to, you know, play for a long time, you know. So, I think that would be the biggest thing to look back on is, especially this group that we just graduated, you know, I kept using the phrase, you know, with them and within our community, like at our end-of-year banquet was, you know, they were the class that taught us how to win. You know, the, the first senior group got us to the postseason, but then this group came in and they said, hey, that was fun, but we want to continue to, you know, go try and have success. And that is where, you know, now you pass the torch of expectations on the other group where they want to have, you know, their own mark as a class. You know, and I think that, that when you hit that stride and you as our job as coaches, like every year every team's different. Um, but I think if you have those, you know, same fundamental basic things that you can pass from year to year where those kids understand those expectations, that's how they go out and be successful. So you mentioned the sense of urgency and how that really became up-tempo on the offensive side of the ball on the field, up-tempo in all you do. Like you said, guys jogging to their athletic period, et cetera. Um, I've, I've seen, you know, you could talk to anybody and say, oh, they'll say, oh, we're, you know, no huddle up-tempo. But I've also seen guys who uh, really – embrace what that is and think about that in much different ways and you know thinking of guys who've been on on the podcast Keith Bearfield one that come to mind or uh, recently we uh, aired a segment of a clinic with Glenn Ellerby who's offensive line coach at Tennessee and he was going through the details of how you coach an up-tempo offensive lineman so in looking at that what are some key coaching points and maybe something that's unique to how you guys think about things that need to be done if we're really truly going to be up tempo and maximize this and as you know as soon as as possible get that ball snapped uh, after the after it gets spotted one of the things that, that I think that our staff has always done a great job of is you know we go over to our junior highs and, and we try to you know we it's just amazing how kids know about football but they don't know about football does right. that make sense like right. you know you go over there and you ask them hey you know, show me where the right hash is, show me where the left hash is, what's the field, what's the boundary, you know, all those kind of things. They look at you like, you know, you're speaking a foreign language. So we we take some time, you know, with our eighth graders and with our freshmen where we really kind of try to make sure that we're taking time to teach them about the game, right? So one of my most favorite drills to do uh, with freshmen is, you know, we, we, we call it our spot the ball drill, you know. So we put the ball on the hash, the middle, the hash, about every 10 yards, and we line up in our base formation and we try to teach them to go as fast as they can, you know. So we snap the ball, they hit their belly, they jump up, they run to the next ball, they get set, and they do the same thing all the way down the field. And that's how, where they learn the sense of urgency and the communication, you know. Um, we're a very verbal team, you know. All of our communication is, you know, from a from a signal from the sideline to the quarterback to the receivers, and there's a lot of talking. Like I tell everybody, we're not a library, we don't have any secrets. You know, we, we take, uh, we feel like we're able to go faster when we're verbal, you know. Uh, and of course, like you know, we play in, in, in some venues and some crowds to where you know sometimes verbal we might run into some hiccups here or there. But you know, we we have a system of signals that we go to. But you know, I would think to <clears throat> I guess more directly answer your question is I think learning the spacing and learning the pace, mm -hmm. you know, um, and how the pace is affected by each you know position. Like you know, you go from quarterback. Like you know, they got to be vocal. They got to be mobile. They got to understand who they got to look at at the sideline. They got to be able to communicate with their coach. Receivers, whether they're on the backside cutoff on a zone play, or they just caught a slant route, you know, for 12 yards. They know got to know who the ball goes to. 
you know, which official the ball goes to, how they get up, where their eyes go. Um, and they got to, you know, never be afraid to echo the call. I mean, there's one thing that will just get me going in practice is if we just all of a sudden we're not echoing calls, you know. Um, and then, like, you know, from the running back, you know, they may, you know, sometimes they have one of the harder jobs because, you know, they carry the ball, they got to find it, and they got to figure out what side to line up on and, and all those things. They have a little bit more to process sometimes. Um, you know, but for us, the two most important people for Tempo is our center and our quarterback. Mm -hmm. You know, we've always been big believers that the center is really the one that controls the Tempo. You know, so you got to have somebody with some – some wits about them, you know, that's got some personality and, and you know, they're able to understand like, hey, you know, the ball's, you know, finished outside the hash, the ball's going to be on the left hash. Right. So they go there because like, you know, he's the bell cow, right? So the, all the linemen are going to go with him, you know? And so, you know, when we when we draft our guys and we go through all that, that's, that's one of the things that I've always put a lot of stock into is one of the first people off the board is who's going to be our center because they control so much in what we do, you know? So, um, I think those are the two biggest things, you know, understanding spacing, understanding the pace, and then how to educate, you know, as a position coach, how do you educate your guys on how you contribute to that pace? You know, and you got to take, you know, pride in it. Like you can't have your position or your, you know, we call them units at our school, but you can't have your unit being the one that's slowing the pace down, right. you know. And so then it just, you know, kind of, you know, it becomes inherited, you know, I mean, you know, to see our JVs go out there and, and no huddle people and tempo people, our freshmen, you know, we we, we think that that's a pretty cool deal, um, you know, because, you know, that takes, you know, time and investment to, to get those guys going, but they're going to end up having to be varsity guys for us someday. Yeah, exactly. In, in looking at this time of year, taking this into camp, right, and getting your guys ready for the season, I'm sure you've done a lot of work in the summer and spring and in your athletic periods, et cetera, but now it takes a, a new focus as the new season is uh, right there on the horizon. Uh, anything different you take in your approach to how you're getting reps with first team, second team, um, you know, uh, approach to uh, what your practice periods lo look like, et cetera? You know, we, we graduated, you know, quite a bit, you know, from our team last year. And, and so this past, you know, spring practice was really important for us. Um, and, uh, you know, with the new UIL rules for us in Texas to be able to do an hour of football, uh, SSI, each day, it's allowed us to really kind of look at some different combinations of players and things, um, you know, that you would love to have that extra time. You know, as you used to be getting into preseason, but, man, if I'd really had – had some extra opportunities to work this stuff out, I would know going into it. So we feel like we can be better prepared to actually start practicing um, when August comes because we've been able to tweak some things and mess around with some different personnel combinations. You know, I think that the, the ability for us to focus on fundamentals and teaching, um, you know, we've, we're able to teach now more than we've ever been before. You know, like it, um, you know, three or four years ago, you know, before we started doing the sports-specific instruction stuff, you had 24 workouts. It could just be strength conditioning. There was no football. Um, so I think for a lot of things, like if you're a new coach coming into a school or, you know, if you're a, a kid that's transitioning from freshman to varsity or JV to varsity, we get to teach now more than we ever have before. And so that's really where a lot of our approach is right now is trying to teach and install some really basic fundamental things so we're – when practice one comes, we can go out and we can just practice. In in looking at uh, the other side of the ball, right, um, it, a lot of times 
if you're not well aligned between we are going to move super fast on offense, this is how we do things, and, uh, and making sure that the defense can handle that. You could still play complementary football with it. What things do you guys do from that standpoint to ensure that this is complementary football? What, the way we do things here is fine because we can do this over here on the defensive side. You know, I think, and I probably should have said this earlier, like, you know, I think the most important key to being a successful tempo team is having coordinators that both understand what the philosophy is and believing in the philosophy. And, you know, our defense coordinator, Coach Fletcher, does a great job of buying into the philosophy for our program, you know, and it, it wasn't – it, it was a deal that, you know, when we made this decision that this is how our program was going to be, you know, it was a – everybody contributed to that decision. Because it would be real easy, like especially like in practice because there's not officials there and the ball gets spotted at an extremely fast pace because we're trying to get reps and all those things. It would be really easy to, you know, for kids to, you know, get below the line and not, you know, think that, you know, this is fair or whatever. Like we don't have a no-excuse, you know, mentality and those kids, you know, do a great job of getting lined up and we know that we don't have you know a lot of time in between um and it shows up in a game like we try to make our practice harder than what a game is you know um our defense does a great job of of getting our calls in and just like you know i, I remember i think it was at this actual convention a few years ago you know kirby smart when I, I think he had just gotten to georgia i talked about you know how they had had to change some of their vernacular and how some of their calls to be able to get stuff in faster and, right. and you know one thing means a bunch of different you know stuff for for everybody and and you know we we've gone to some things like that where our kids are able to play faster you know um and again it, it all just kind of goes down again to if you're vertically aligned with you know what you're going to ask your kids to do on a daily basis then your install and your schemes and how you communicate them you know because some people could have a west coast you know 12 word you know thing well that's great like if you got time to do it but you know we have two words or one word plays because mm -hmm. we're trying to go fast you know so it all has to match up um and so i think that was one thing our defensive staff has done a great job of um is is coaching our kids to think when they're tired to think when things are going fast and be able to recognize you know now, like, you know, for us, like, we get in a three-by-one formation, and the next thing you know, we could be in two-back nub because we don't sub, you know. Mm -hmm. And so for our kids to be able to process uh, and think quickly, you know, is something that we practice all the time. You know, one of the things that we do when we don't have pads on uh, in the preseason is we have a formation wreck period. Because, like, you know, you can't go against each other. You don't have pads on, so we got to get something out of it. So one of my favorite things to do is to you know get the you know group one out there and go all the way down the field and do your checks and get in and out make sure everybody's aligned right and and make the most of that time and, and so and our, and our staff has done a really good job of that and i think to your point when you are up tempo you will find because we did a study on this years ago I, I really wanted to know how much time is there really between uh when a play ends and, and to when that ball set and you could go again and we found that you know, and this was uh, Division Three College, our officials, and we would, we'd have to go back and we were watching the broadcast that everybody saved, you know, colleges streaming it, and you know, it was 11 seconds, right? And, you know, uh, 
11 seconds compared to what you do in, in practice seems like an eternity. Sure. So it does sure. it does slow down in a lot of ways if you ingrain that in your players' heads that that you know that ball is spotted way faster in practice. Yeah, our, our defensive guys can't wait for scrimmage day when the officials are there, you know. And, and I get and, you know it. it and it's one of those things where it's just kind of like you know what the the monster that you've created, but at the same time, like you know, we could go out on a bad weather day and practice in the athletic period. If we're getting bad weather in the afternoon, and we can get sixty-five to seventy plays, you know, in athletic period, and teach and coach off film after school with our kids, yeah. you know, and so that all just kind of goes back to mindset and philosophy, right. you know, and we we have the capability to do that, and you know, we think that that allows us to to never be in a situation to our kids aren't going to have an opportunity to go out and compete. You mentioned that you don't change personnel, but you do get into different types of, of groupings that typically would yeah. de demand a personnel change. So it's a great strategy. I know it provides huge advantages. You know, thinking back to when we first went to, uh, you know, that kind of up-tempo, when we were changing personnel, the officials weren't going and standing over the ball. I mean, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. But now you do that and, you know, your guys stand around and the defense is looking at you. So it is an advantage to be able to move those guys around. But what things do you do or what do you have to account for from a practice standpoint in getting these guys ready to be able to move around and have those different skill sets, right? The skill set that a guy who's, you know, in the slot certainly going to be a lot different and things now that you add to him as he's in the back. You know, I think it kind of goes back to at least for us on staff structure. You know, um, we've we've subscribed to the model of having a tight ends H's coach. You know, which for us could be, you know, uh, a guy with you know attached for a three surface look you know, with his hand in the ground, or he could be in you know a Y off you know wing position, or he could be you know the sniffer like in a twins look or and for us like we like the offset pistol look so he could be in, you know the old traditional you know fullback look you know pre-practice I'm a big pre-practice person you know we spend a lot of time uh, pre-practice to where let's say if a you know young man is a tight end guy so he gets his ball skill work and you know pat and go um, you know jugs time before practice and then he goes for individual with the O-line. And then we come to group, he comes, you know, the tight end coach brings him over to with the backs and the quarterbacks. And we do, you know, exchanges where if we got to work on split flow and he's got to cap the backside and, and work on bootleg stuff. Like it just, you know, we call him the traveling man. I mean, like he just kind of goes through the practice. And then when we start coming together, you know, for, for inside and um, for inside run and, and team run and stuff, like then, you know, we're all together. But I think is, you know, you got to understand, you know, because we segment our practices by, you know, field zone days, you know, and so um, where he's got to travel that day is the work that he's got to get in and the stuff that we're going to run in that field zone, you know. And so when we script our stuff, you know, the, the, it's just up to the coach to kind of go in and say, okay, well, we need to make sure that we get these looks in uh, our groups because we're going to see it in inside and we're going to see it in, in teams that we got to make sure we get that taught, you know, uh, before we come down there. And, and it's it's been good. I mean, like you know, it's it's. I mean, we've had years where we've we've had to sub a little bit more than we've liked, but I mean, we feel like we have been most effective when we do not have to sub. You know, um, it just allows us to be you know really multiple and allows us to play at a really fast pace. Um, and we feel like it really gives the defense a hard time. You know, when that guy that's the tight end now might be a you know a slot now might be you know in the backfield and, and move around and. 
Um, you know, they try to match situations like, you know, short yardage or they bring in a heavy personnel or if they, um, you know, bring in big people on goal line or whatever, it gives us a, an advantage for us not to have to sub and we can get the ball snapped and get the play executed. From an up-tempo standpoint, you guys are able to get a lot of reps in practice, which helps execution, right? Uh, uh, that definitely is something directly correlated to repetitions. Uh, I remember having a conversation with uh, a kid I coached when he, you know, he was in it fourth through eighth grade, David Ragone, who's now the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. And at the time, I believe he was coach for the Bears. And he was talking about a study they did on, um, I can't recall the team. It might have been the Patriots, but, you know, a team that was at the NFL level doing more of the up-tempo stuff. And, and the one thing he pointed out is they were playing like a game more than everybody else. So load management becomes important. And I'm sure you look at those types of things, especially – as you're looking at those different phases of the season Absolutely. and getting to the playoffs, and you certainly want to have gas in the tank there. So are there any considerations of how you do things as the season goes on with the amount of reps? I'm sure you're not going to slow the tempo down because that's not who you are, yeah. but how do you handle the reps? Most definitely. I mean, and I think it kind of goes into, you know, um, like I know last year, you know, we felt like we had a really good team um, and we were an experienced team. You know, and so from from that standpoint, we got to, uh, you know, just the way the schedule fell, you know, uh, we had a seven-team district and we drew week 11 as our bye. So we knew that we were going to have to go 10 games in a row, you know, before we were going to get an open week. Um, so our coaches and our staff did a really good job of load management, you know, when we got to certain points to where, you know, if we felt like, you know, we could do some stuff during the period and then shorten it after school, like, you know, we did that. Um, you know, once we got into, you know, probably about, you know, the fifth or sixth game, we started going, you know, only one day a full, you know, a week. Um, to, but, we, you know, you communicate. Like, I'm a big believer in always communicating, especially this day and age with kids. This is why we're doing this, so we can be ready for this. So you got to make sure that we got to take this serious or else we're going to miss an opportunity. Like, you know, this is why we're doing this, you know. Um, and, and so, yeah, so the closer you get to the playoffs, like, we – we scale back time. You know, we we always, as a tempo team, put more value on team reps. You know, so we shave off a little individual, shave off some group. You know, maybe only go one uh, series of inside run versus the defense just to get the you know, speed of the game type stuff. Um, but we're big believers on, you know, the more team reps that we can get, the more we have to coach off of and correct, especially towards the end of the year, the better prepared our kids are going to be. Absolutely. And, and – you know, for those teams out there, you, you guys made it a point. We're going to do this because we feel it's an advantage. And I know there's a lot of coaches out there, uh, new teams, new programs they're coaching for the first time, maybe going with a strategy like that. Uh, what, what recommendations do you have or what tips do you have for, for people who are doing it for the first time you think that maybe could help them? I just think in terms of tempo, like you gotta, you got to understand that when you decide to be a tempo team, it's not just in your team seg segment and practice. Like, you know, I'll go back to kind of what I said, like, you know, it's overall like program philosophy, right? Uh, and, you know, there'll be some times of frustration to where, like, you know, if especially like if you were transitioning from an under center team to a gun team, like you got to, you know, center's got to go down, whatever your call system is, the ID stuff, and make sure the snap's good and, and all those things. Like there's some growing pains with it, but like, you know, to your point earlier, like, you know, you feel like you've played an extra game. Um, you've gotten extra practices. You know, like, for example, last year, um, week four, 
we had a hurricane coming barreling down on uh, the Houston area. So they canceled school for, you know, uh, the next day because, you know, precautions. Well, we only had one day of practice that week. But we knew with how we practiced and how we went against things that we were going to get a solid enough amount of reps that we were going to be able to be functional for the game. But, like, at the same time, like, we knew that however we went about our business, you know, the kids were going to have to be able to have that sense of urgency to get this stuff done because we didn't know what was getting ready to happen. This was going to be our only practice, you know. And so our kids and our coaches handled it, you know, really well. But it just goes back to, like, you know, if you're doing it for the first time, you got to make sure you make the commitment to do it in all things in your program. And as a coach, you can't expect the switch to just get flipped. Like all of a sudden, okay, now our team and now we're going really fast. And then, you know, the kids, you know, if that sense of urgency has been built up from individual to group and then now on the team, then, then they know that they can turn it up a notch, you know, go from gear three to gear four. You know, it's hard to go from gear one to gear four, you know. And so I think that would be the thing is, is to make sure you're reiterating tempo in all things. And then understand that just like with anything else, it's just going to get better with reps. So your gun snaps will get better with reps. Your ball skills. You know, I remember uh, my first head coaching job, you know, that we transitioned from an under center, more pro-style offense to, you know, the spread and, and you know, throwing, you know, quick game and screens and all that kind of stuff. And then the first, you know, couple, you know, weeks of spring, I was just like, oh, my goodness, you know. And, and it just, but we just kept going. We just kept repping and kept, you know. Um, get no, don't ever get bored with details. Right. You know, like you know, when we do our uh, our perfect drill and our pat and go stuff, you know, uh, in pre practice, like we do the same drills in pre practice in August, and we'll do the same drills in, in November. You know, um, I think having those things that you know that you're getting your kids to touch footballs, um, to work on those skills, you know, throughout the year. You know, it's amazing how many throws a quarterback can make and how many balls a kid touches, you know, um, in pre-practice from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, you know, and the improvement that you see, especially with your young guy. Yeah, absolutely. The perfect drill. I had Tony Franklin on some time back talking about the perfect drill. It was an incredible explanation of the play. I'll link that one in the show notes. That's definitely a, yeah, something uh, memorable to me. Yeah, Tony's been huge for me and in, in, uh, in my career and, and I learned it from him and and yeah, I mean it's it's a staple, you know, and it's something that our junior highs, you know, tell our junior high guys they got to do it. Our freshmen do it. I mean, like it is, um, and it's you know it's a great off season thing, yeah. you know, when you're starting to introduce ball skills, you know. But it's it is definitely something that I, as the head coach, get pre fired up to coach. You know, it's it's when I get to really interact with the players and stuff and pre practice and all that, and we put a big point of emphasis on it. Yeah, the the coaching side too. If someone's going to this for. Uh, the first time they haven't done it before so there is an adjustment in coaching in an up-tempo environment as well I, I don't believe uh and well I'm just going to coach it on the film I heard that you know beginning a, a tempo mm-hmm. tempo where oh we just coach it off film I don't I don't think those guys did I think certainly they're going to get more off of film because you always have to be coaching you always have to be giving feedback so a, any advice on that side of things for a coach you know to be able to coach in an up-tempo environment you know, I use the phrase, I live it with the players. Like, I live I live the, during the play. Like, you know, I, t- I talk to them about, hey, you know, why not your split? All right, hey, ball's coming to you. Like, you know, um, I live the play with them, and I coach as they're transitioning to the next play. You know, there's no stop. Everybody listen. You know, um, I try to 
communicate as I go and coach as I go to the kids are getting coached as they're going on to the next play, you know, and then I reiterate those points when we do get to come back and watch the film. You know, one of the things our staff does a great job is, you know, Huddle allows us to go in and type comments and stuff in, um, you know, on the video, and, and we're, we're able to send our players out playlists and things like that with notes on them. Um, and those messages always need to be consistent from what you're saying in practice to what you're saying in those notes. Um, but that is definitely something that, like, you know, you got to coach on the run, you know. Um, and it's very similar, like, to a game. Like, you're trying to make an adjustment, like tell somebody to widen out or whatever. And, and there's really no difference in how we coach and approach stuff in practice than how we do a game because we're constantly moving, constantly telling our kids, you know, what to do and, 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 and how to go about doing things. So I think that would be the biggest adjustment for some people because, like, you know, they want to stop and they want to talk to their guy about a step or, you know, whatever. And it's just like, hey, coach, you got to tell him, you know, he's got to do half an inch more and you got to get him going, you know. And so I think that's the biggest adjustment for a coach that's never been in it. The best piece of advice that I could give a staff if they'd never done it before and now they're going to it is go watch somebody practice. Yeah. Don't watch game film. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, you can get some ideas off of game film, but I'm talking about go watch a tempo program practice from how – they come out to stretch, to how they do pre-practice, to how they transition to drills. Then you kind of get the whole idea of, of how it works because you can't see that on film. you know. But once you see the, the moving parts and the inner workings of it, then you're like, okay, this is what I want to do. Absolutely, yeah. It's great advice. Well, Coach, you've, you've shared a lot of great stuff here, certainly on the, the spread uh, and in building a program. You look at all you do as a coach. What's the one thing you could point to and say, you know what, this really gives my team the winning edge? I just believe in, in – trying to be tough you know I think uh, one of the biggest things that you could say that would get get my Irish up is if you said we're a spread offense that's finesse you know um, I think that we live in a time where toughness is a, is a rare commodity you know um, and I think you know if you teach a kid how to be tough he's going to be successful in life mm-hmm. you know um, and you know I think one of the biggest things that football teaches us is how to get back up when we get knocked down Right, and so I think that for us as coaches, you know, if we're able to instill that in our players, how to be tough and how to keep getting up and keep answering the bell, they're going to go out and they're going to be successful in life. So I think that that's one thing that, you know, doesn't take any talent to be tough. That's what I tell our kids, you know. And so uh, I would say that that would be one thing that, you know, we may not always be the most talented, um, but I would, you know, I'd be very disappointed if our opponents didn't think that we had a bunch of tough kids and we were a tough team. Coach, what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you? You can follow me uh, on Twitter at Coach J. Clancy. Um, and then uh, uh, my email uh, for Klein ISD email is jclancy1 at kleinisd.net. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can hit me up there. Be always love talk football. Always, you know, love, you know, the, the Zoom stuff has changed the football <laughs> world, you know, sharing ideas and everything. You know, um, you know, we don't got all the answers, but, you know, we feel like uh, – you know, we can always improve and get better and, and like sharing ideas with people. So. Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time out here to spend some time sitting down talking ball with me and sharing that with our listeners. And best of luck to you and your team in 2022. All right, Keith. Thank you very much, man.